So whenever you feel a moment of overwhelm, moments of contraction, grounding yourself in the, in the senses, in the present moment, looking at things, feeling, hearing the sounds, you know, having a moment where you glimpse reality, the perceptual filters and your emotional responses to those perceptions, they are disconnecting us from reality. So maybe you can appreciate right now that sense of openness, that sense of freedom is, is always very close. Experiencing it doesn't need to change the feelings and the thoughts which are connected with our past. They, they can be here, but we can always, in a very effortless way, shift out of it when we take our seat in the field of the Sangha. In a way, it's very easy. And peace is also here. Stillness is also here. You are here. You know, the you which doesn't, comes and goes. The karmic, traumatic clouds, they come and go, and you remain. How does it feel to be you? You as awareness. So allow the I am to unhook from what you think you are and hook from what you experience and let the I am dissolve into that which is experiencing, undescribable, ungraspable, but nevertheless obvious. The sky is undescribable and ungraspable, but it's obvious. Spacious aliveness. What is here if you don't make words? And who are you if you're not referring to words? four characteristics of trauma and with a bit of uh, making the connection to the teachings on karma and the four characteristics of karma. First one is trauma is invisible, karma is dormant, it doesn't go away, it's uh, stored in the alaya vijnaya, in the unconscious, which means it's stored in the body. And the second point is, the second characteristic of trauma is it leads into the sense of disconnection and separation. So as yogis and yoginis, we want to create connection. What we disconnect from traumatic experience is the body, others, the environment, our feelings. So our practice is reconnecting reconnecting with the body, with our feelings, with the environment, with nature, and most importantly, with others. The teachings on karma also describe disconnection. We disconnect through the perceptual filters with reality. We distort reality. This moment doesn't exist in the way it appears. The most basic karmic process is the most basic habit 
the dualistic split, what is called ignorance. And in that part of the, of the karmic complex, that's the root. That's where everything else comes from. It's happening in each moment. Yeah? Each moment creates a sense of a separate eye looking at a world which is separate. It's a, that's the, like the fundamental separation, the fundamental disconnection, this distortion of reality, this dualistic split. And as we know in the, in the teaching, the liberation happens through the insight into emptiness, the insight into reality. A dissolution, a deconstruction of that dualistic split into the experience of non-duality. So very much connected with the third characteristic of trauma, that it is relational. Trauma happens in relationship. Karma happens in relationship. We are relating beings. Like if you look at the ten non-virtuous actions, what they have in common, that they happen in relationship. It's stealing means stealing from someone. Killing means killing someone. Sexual misconduct means it happens, it happens in relationship. So the trauma we are talking about here, there's the shock trauma and so on and so on, but even there, it's, it, being in a war is, has also to do with relationship. A relationship between countries, between cultures. So what, what that means is disconnection, you know, as a practitioner, going into the direction of connecting. You know, in, the, in the teachings on, on karma, the importance of sangha, the importance of a relationship to a teacher, the nece necessity, if you have experienced like really destabilizing trauma in your life, you can't figure it out yourself. It has to be healed in relationship. And that's difficult for us because when we experience trauma, we don't trust anyone. But not necessarily in contact with the person who caused the trauma? No, no, no. no. With, uh, maybe that wouldn't, wouldn't be the, the best uh, place. When I say the way out is going is through, I'm not saying going through alone, but going through together with friends, with Sangha, with a therapist, with, the, with, the, with your teacher. In my own life, it was interesting that I became a monk uh, because I, I wanted to do retreat. Yeah? <laughs> Imagine, I mean, you know, Stefan Pendia, extremely self-reliant, trying to figure it out himself. Yeah? <laughs> so, of course I want to do in retreat. I'm like a fish in the water in retreat because there are no others. This is like the most amazing spiritual bypassing ever. <laughs> <laughs> But what happens, of course, if you are working with a qualified teacher, he will see that and he will say, no, go to Nalanda, be the director. And he kept me eight years there. I tried to run away, yes. But then I didn't because I listened to a friend you know, saying, no, don't do that. You, know, you can't just pack your things. and." in the night. I wanted to run away in the night. I had packed my backpack 
and I wanted to leave in the night and catch the first train in the morning to, to Toulouse, to go to retreat. So relational. It's amazing how connection happens, or can happen, through sharing. That what disconnects us, through the first practice of making the invisible visible, that connects us. Actually, I'm in a better mood myself, because I also said mm. the situation. But I feel like I, now I, I'm not alone with it. Mm, yeah. And you don't have to take care of it. No. Can do it. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Kind of sympathy. Yeah. We can feel towards each other, even if we can't solve it for somebody else. But yes, and if we are never allow us to be in situations like that, or we never dare to do that, then we are trapped in that circle. We keep it ourselves. We suppress. We get afraid when opportunities of opening and keep it inside and so that's like the, the circle. And then we might even feel that the group is not kind enough or something like that. And the fourth and the last is trauma is embodied. Yeah? Talked about that a lot. It's embodied, it's in the body. So karmic purification and healing of trauma, purification of karma, healing of trauma, is body work. And that's why it's so important to get back into the body, to become curious. One uh, coping strategy to survive a traumatic experience is disassociation, is numbness, is freeze. It's really challenging to work with that, with freeze with that numbness. needs so much kindness and so much patience also. Can I ask you a question about yeah. body work? Mm -hmm. uh, could there be like dancing or I mean, moving your body or massage or what kind of body work can it be? Yeah, so that, that's a good question. What would be a trauma-sensitive yoga, in the sense, as any kind of body work, like the way yoga is being taught, it's actually, from my point of view, often connected with spiritual bypassing. Yoga, how it is often taught in the West, it's part of the spiritual bypassing in our culture. It becomes, you know, the kind of Instagram, I want to be fit, I want to be beautiful, I want to be successful. And why? Because I want to be productive and I want to make a lot of money, because that's, that will make me happy. Yeah? It's not so much the movement, there's something in the intention and, and how you do it. I'm not so clear yet about the difference, but, but it's like different kinds of instruction, different kinds of uh, attention. Like you can go for a run, and it's an expression of trying to run away from how you feel, or you can, can run with how you feel, and stay in contact with how you feel, and enjoy the change of how you feel through the running. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. Of course, it's, it's, 
it, it will move something, yeah? Uh, so it's, it's like a difference in the attitude, in the intention, in then also like in, in movements to be curious about what comes up for you, like in different yoga postures, to, to also pay attention to that. Maybe you, you go into the child pose or something and suddenly you feel some sadness or some loneliness. Yeah? And to, to make that part of the practice. Ah, yeah. So how can I meet that with, uh, with kindness? How can I stay present here with that memory? Like in, in body work, when you do movements, you know, there's, there's images coming. And then to, uh, to be curious about that, to make that part of the, of the investigation. I, yes. I meditate with, uh, follow um, um, Reginald Ray, I think his name is. Reggie Ray. He's a lot of uh, this somatic. Mm. And uh, of course it's like a body scan, but he also talks, like you mentioned, that um, a lot of um, pain is suppressed and it's hidden. And unless you start to look, mm. you can't release it. Mm. And when you do these, at least for me, when I do these body scans and breathing, you know, feeling uh, the toe, it's a crazy amount of tension that's in the body yeah. in different places. And uh, it's like he's saying that uh, since I'm not aware, I can't release I don't see it. I don't release it. Yeah. So, so I guess, uh, and yeah. Yes. That's in, in that process, when you work with uh, the subtle, more and more subtle tensions in the body, as a side effect, what, what you might get is like an information a story, a memory, like it's not necessary. I mean, you can work with tensions and contractions in your body and <clears throat> healing them and dissolving them through loving attention without kind of finding out the story, the karmic or the traumatic story. But for some people that's very helpful to, 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 to see, well, this is, this is connected with that, to understand where it comes from. Yeah? You know, one way I would I try to uh, make the invisible visible is to sometimes rely on very sensitive people. I don't know if I would call them clairvoyant, but if you work with some body workers, they they can they can share with you their, the images which which turn up in them. So they can sometimes they can give you a, a feedback and help you. To understand, another tool comes to my mind, which is very strong in in the Tibetan tradition, and that's that is astrology. So that's uh, maybe something you know from our kind of scientific materialistic reductional point of view. It's bullshit, uh, but uh, the Tibetan tradition is a is a good. Uh, well, someone like a soul in this Dalai Lama is a good example that that there is another dimension to being a human, which is accessible and it doesn't contradict the scientific view. It's, it's just something more. Yeah? So, as you know, the decision of His Holiness to escape Tibet and when, at what time, and how, and which route to take, was made by his oracle. And, I mean, that would that blows the mind for, for you know for 
know, many people, of course, like the Dalai Lama and respect the Dalai Lama, but this part is like, that, that's really bullshit. Yeah, it's superstitious. But there are people like that. So I'm talking here about people who studied the tools of astrology, but also have some clairvoyant power themselves, so that they can not only read the symbols, but really make it meaningful for you. I mean, everyone can, can you know, memorize you know, what does that mean, what does that mean. But a good astrologer has, on top of that, that kind of, I don't know, clairvoyant is not the right word, that kind of sensitivity or that kind of capacity to tap into a different level of knowing. So if you want to know your shadow elements, yeah? astrology, Enneagram is another system which is really helpful for finding a, some description of what is happening beneath the level of what you are aware of. Take it easy. I mean, what I'm presenting uh, in this weekend is like for a few lifetimes. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's not like, it's wonderful that we have uh, in now through the internet the possibility to connect with all these different healing modalities. But it can be also sometimes overwhelming and uh, confusing or we get into a kind of hungry ghost mood yeah, and feeling always dissatisfied or I have to do more and so on and so on. So that's not helpful at all. Things will come at the right time. Your future self looks after you. you know, Tibetans have that. They have so much devotion and so much faith and so much... I mean, they grow up with that knowingness around Buddha nature. But that for us it's different because of the scientific materialistic paradigm, which doesn't have any space for spirit, where there's no space for the sacredness, the divine, so much so that it's seen as superstitious, as something dangerous, something for stupid people. And it is that loss of spirit, of the divine, which leads to the catastrophe. That sense of disconnection, of separation, that we lost the knowledge of our ancestors, the connectedness with everything, the, the connection, you know, the reconnection with spirit, with uh, however you want to call it. I think that's actually the meaning of religion means reconnecting with the divine. The, the word religion can be translated as reconnecting with the divine. And, and that's what, what is lost the connection with the divine in everything, disconnection with the sacred, which is so manifest and transmitted in the Eastern tradition, but it has been here as well. And it still is. So there is people who are connected with the land and with their ancestors and who talk with Tomte, or how you call the little guys, who are, who are communicating with the un, unseen, that what you can't see, but you can feel. <laughs>